So before we go to the word, let's humble ourselves before the Lord and the word because the word of God can be only be planted in hearts that are meek. So Father, by faith, we humble ourselves as best as we can. Bodies may be tired, but Lord, we are trusting you to keep us awake. We are leaning on to you to give us attentive ears. The mind tends to wander, but Father, we surrender our minds and our hearts to you. Help us to be focused, to listen, not to miss what your spirit has to say to each one of us. And above all, Lord, give us the desire to love you and to obey you. But that's where freedom lies, liberty lies, eternity lies. So this morning we come at this time into thy hands. Speak to us and Lord, speak through me. For in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. To make you awake, there was this gentleman, you don't need a name, any name, Mark, forgot his wife's birthday. It's the eighth cardinal sin. There are seven listed. The eighth one, unlisted, is forgetting your wife's birthday. And she gave him an ultimatum. Tomorrow morning, before nine, I will have my birthday present. Parked right in front of my house. Which goes from zero to hundred in five seconds. Next morning, when she woke up, there was this package in front of the house. She ran and opened it and found a weighing machine. That was a wise man. <laughs> so now that we are all relaxed, we turn to John 10 and 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Two things. What the devil comes for, what Christ comes for. The devil comes specifically, no exceptions. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus comes to give life. A life in more abundance. Remember, he has come to give us life today, more than we had yesterday. That's how you have to think. Every time he comes, he wants to give more. God is a giver. Christ is a giver. He wants to give us more and more of his life. That is what the little one's name means. Zoe means God kind of life. She's, she's easily the sweetest baby in the church because she has no guile in her heart. She's not there. I'm just looking at this. She has no guile in her heart. Understand that baby. She's special. She has no guile in her heart at all. Okay? That's what Zoe means. God kind of life. God kind of life. 
Okay. And that's what Christ has come to give. Zoe, that's what it means. The word life there is Zoe, which means his life. He says, I want to give you more and more of my life. But what did the devil come for? He comes to destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. But the thing is that, have you ever seen the devil coming and stealing? Have you ever encountered the devil in your house taking money out of your wallet? No. Has he killed anyone of you? No. Does he personally come and destroy somebody? No. He does those who are sold out to him. Them he does personally. Then how does he do it? How does he do it? It's the question. How does he destroy? How does he destroy? Remember when the devil, we've been looking from these two chapters, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. These are the two chapters where the devil is mentioned. How he was created and how he fell. So if you want to understand the devil, you don't need to understand him too much. But if you want to understand the devil, there are two chapters in the Bible specifically about the devil. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. He was made perfect in wisdom. So wisdom which God gave him. Perfect in wisdom. Okay? But when iniquity or sin, pride came in, he corrupted his wisdom. So he has wisdom, but it is corrupted. So he knows how to destroy man. How to destroy man. There are two primarily ways he destroys. Now, if you look at the context, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that day. So the people are the same. The people, the devil is trying to destroy other people. God is trying to save and give life. Okay? There are two primary ways in which he destroys. The first way we know is from Hosea 4.6. My people. Okay. Oh, I didn't give you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, Chantana is not there. That's the reason. Chantana is the one who remembers and takes. I'm so sorry. Hosea 4.6. For Telugu's Hosea. We have it. My people are destroyed. destroyed. Like I said about illness. Illness. Talked about illness, okay? So many of the illnesses, we just suffer it with it for years and years because we don't have the knowledge of what God says about it and what is the treatment for it. It's, It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Okay, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. That's one reason. Second reason, Proverbs 16 and verse 18. 16 and verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Both are destroyers. Both are destroyers. So all he has to destroy us either... Give us all the knowledge of the world. Get a, give us degrees as much as we want. And keep us so satisfied and have very little knowledge of God. And we are destroyed. We are destroyed. He gives us success in many fields. And makes us feel we have it. But what we don't have is the knowledge of God. And that destroys us ultimately. Okay? And we do not realize... 
heaven's perspective that the fool has said in his heart there is no god okay who is a fool who is a fool the person who does not have knowledge of god he may have three phd's in three different disciplines but he's a fool because he does not have the knowledge of god and the devil destroys people okay the other way he does is through pride that's the that's what the bible always warns us about uh, be careful because the enemy is very very subtle very 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 subtle we saw past few weeks especially yesterday if you were there that you could have got it from two barrels in english and telugu if you were there that pride originated in heaven and satan does not have a body therefore pride is spiritual that is what the bible talks about the filthiness of the spirit okay it is spiritual when you and i got saved and when the proof of salvation is the holy spirit came into us he didn't get into my body or my soul first he got into my spirit because god is a spirit he is in my spirit and the body is the container of the spirit and the soul so the spirit is god's throne room so he wants to clean the throne room out first it's like that tabernacle when the tabernacle's description is being given to moses it doesn't begin with the outer courts or it begins with the ark that's a core in the most holy place the most holy place there is this ark and it begins with the ark because if the ark is missing the whole thing is missing it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the whole tabernacle has no meaning if the ark is missing so god begins with the ark so in the, in the other process he who's without whose spirit is dead are dead men walking so it doesn't matter how successful or prosperous or prominent people are if they're spiritually dead they're actually dead and when you die it is only a revelation of your previous state okay when you die oh i died no you didn't you are always dead that's why you're going to the place where the dead go because he is the judge of the quick and the dead the dead will go to hell the living will go to god but both when we are living on earth it looked the same but the difference was the spirit so the holy spirit comes in and starts cleaning up the spirit the fundamental premise point is that it doesn't matter even if you have handled your body very well scripturally and your mind very well scripturally the spirit still will contaminate everything and therefore the spirit is what needs to be handled okay and the issue with the spirit is pride is spiritual pride is spiritual if you go to ezekiel 28 son of man says to the prince of tyre this is a human being and then there is a king which is lucifer so he's it's it's a beautiful way god puts it across because he's talking about time immemorial and also bringing it to man's time and is putting to what satan was and what he did to a man the king of tyre okay the prince of tyre and the king of tyre the principality over tyre and the person so there are two pictures you will see in ezekiel 28 because you will get confused is he talking to a man or is he talking to about the devil both both okay when a man 
or a woman takes the nature of the devil, this is what he becomes. Because you are of your father, the devil. Okay. Thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods, in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man and not a God, though you set your heart as the heart of a God. Do you see that? When the Antichrist comes, what does Paul say in the book of Thessalonians? He will enter into the most holy place and sit like God. What happens? In your spirit, you have declared, I will listen to nobody, I am God. I will listen to nobody. I am God. That is how it happens. Ultimately, you will have a set of zombies. Each one is king in their own eyes. They will listen to nobody. They will listen to nobody. Okay. And if they are accountable, they will be accountable to people to whom they don't have to be accountable. Do you know what it means? They will have an online leader who they don't know, who he doesn't know. You don't have to be accountable to that person at all. He doesn't know you exist. He doesn't know you from a hole in the wall. But you pretend you are accountable when you actually are not accountable. That's why in all of our churches, even when they listen online, they have their own pastor. And I tell them, listen to your pastor. Very rarely will I entertain anything from one of their congregations. I listen to the pastors, but I do not listen to the congregation unless the pastor recommends to call me. I do not. Why? Be accountable to the person that is visible. Because it's very easy to be accountable to a person who is in a screen and you feel you're accountable, but you are actually a rebel. We're actually a rebel. Be careful about these things because that's how this fellow began. And he injected it into man and he told Eve, if you eat, you will become like God. You don't have to be accountable to anybody. He put a lie that God is not accountable. God is. Even when he begins the creation, he says, let us. He doesn't say, let me. He says, let us. The Father is accountable to the Son. The Son is accountable to the Spirit. The Spirit is accountable to the Son. The Son is accountable to the Father. Absolute accountability is there in the Trinity. Absolute accountability. The devil is the fellow who has no accountability at all. So be very careful. The nature, how you understand pride. The manifestation. If you come to verse 5. By your great wisdom in trade, you have increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. So he corrupted his wisdom. And then he used that wisdom to make much money. This is talking about the son of uh, Tyre, the king. Okay, you need to look at all the people who are into trading and into. It is a very corrupt business. If you go through the honest way, there are only two ways a man should become rich. One through honest hard work. And second, you get an inheritance from your father or your grandfather or whatever. It's a family inheritance. You shouldn't get rich through illicit means. He corrupted his wisdom and he's become very, very rich. So everybody who wants to be rich, please be very sure what wisdom you are using. Be very. Because there is corruption in man's wisdom. If you come to verse 17, 
the Bible says. Yeah. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you wear the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Then your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground and I laid before the kings that they might gaze at you. You look at all this. His heart was lifted up because of his riches. His heart was lifted up because of his beauty. And he corrupted his wisdom and he went into all this thing. God says, I will cast you down. He's already been cast down. Already been cast down. Like I said, how does... So the iniquity of Satan, the iniquity of Satan was pride. And how does it manifest? Isaiah 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. This word Lucifer means light bearer. Right? You need to understand who he was. He was not an ordinary archangel. He probably was the finest of God's creation. He was the covering cherub. He was the archangel that was above God's throne, covering him. In the angelic realm, you couldn't go higher than that. Meaning God says, I trust you to cover me. And that's from where he fell. That's from where he fell. Okay, that's what he was. That's That's why his description is, he was greater than Gabriel, Michael, all of them. He was an act. He, he reflected the glory of God. He reflected the glory of God. And from there he fell. How did he fall? Because verse 13 and 14 will say, what did he say? For you said in your heart, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. So understand this. Pride is reflected in self-will. In self-will. I will have my way. My way. It's about me, mine, myself. That's why when the Bible says in Psalm 51 verse 5, we know it very well, I was shaped in iniquity and my mother brought forth me in sin. What is that iniquity? Right. Every one of us were born proud. We may not be aware of it, ignorant about it, but pride is still pride. And we were born with a self-will. All our children sitting over there, cute looking, beautiful babies, born with pride, and they want to have their way. That's how it works. They want to have their way. As opposed to this, as opposed to this is Jesus. Isaiah 53. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, which means beauty. And when we see him, there is no beauty that he should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So when Jesus came, he did not come perfect in beauty. No, he didn't. There was nothing about it. Just ordinary man. Just ordinary man. He was the wisdom of God. But when he came, he came. He emptied himself and he was dependent upon his father to teach him every day. He's teaching us. Jesus is teaching us something. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 8, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God, unlike devil who was not God, who said in his heart, I will be God. Jesus being God. Jesus being God. What did he say? Okay, it did not consider it robbery. Let, yeah, come to verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. The devil wanted reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Satan, pride, self-will, Disobedient to the nth degree. Jesus, who is God, came with no comeliness, humbled himself, emptied himself everything, entirely dependent upon the Father, and was obedient to the nth degree. This is the difference between the two. And he will say, I have come to do your will and not my will. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, his conclusion is, not my will, but your will be done. And therefore, Philippians 2 and verse 9 says, He has lifted him above and given him a name above every... That's verse, uh, verse 9, 6, uh, um, Philippians 2, 9. If you look at Luke chapter 2, verse 51 and 52, okay? 2 and verse uh, 51 and 52. Luke chapter 2, yeah. He went down with them. Did you see? Jesus went down with them to Nazareth. It was a humbling. And he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. He was subject to earthly, semi-literate parents. And he had to increase in wisdom. Not he came full of wisdom. No. Day by day, he had to depend upon his father to increase in wisdom. So God is saying you have two patterns here. You can choose who's your father. Actually, last two Sundays back, I wanted to give the title with the question, who's your father? (laughs) Who's your father? Is it the devil or is it God? Who's your father? Look at the two. These lines don't meet. These are not parallel lines. These are divergent lines. They end up in two places in eternity. Get these pictures in our lives. Okay. So Satan was cast down to the lowest. From the highest heaven to the second heavens to earth to the lake of fire. He goes down, 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 down. And Jesus was lifted to the highest He went down, down, down to the hell and he was lifted. Remember, even if you are a servant of God or you are a man of God, when you are disobedient, you go down. You go down. When God told Jonah, go to Nineveh, he did not like it at all. You need to realize he's an extremely proud man. And that's why he's angry even at the end. Extremely proud. He will not listen to anybody. And he went down to Joppa, went down to the harbor, went down to the boat, went down into the bottom of the boat. And if God hadn't intervened, that would have been, he said, he would have just gone and never known. But God intervened, created a storm. And then he went down into the fish's mouth, down to the bottom of the sea. And when he couldn't go any more down from there, he cried out. 
the bible says very clearly he went away from the presence of god get these pictures get these pictures okay so god's ways has never changed god will never change that's why it's interesting or important to read the word of god because you know one thing we all need something stable in our life that does not change every morning when you look into the mirror what you see is change right the face is looking different your body is aching that's what i was thinking on the two days of the retreat we saw, saw the shakers and the movers and on the third day we saw the acres <laughs> they were shaking and moving through the third night it was not a resurrection so matthew 23 verse 12 matthew 23 whoever exalts himself will be humbled and who humbles himself will be exalted this is the principle jesus humbled himself god exalted him satan exalted himself god humbled okay and if you were there and you heard isaiah chapter you can go back and do your homework isaiah chapter 2 isaiah chapter 13 and all the day of judgment is a day of humiliation every proud person will be abased and every humble person will be lifted up that's what jesus meant the last will become first and the first will become last the day of judgment is going to be a stunning day there is god's scales we will see and how just he is so this is god's opinion or rather this is how god thinks opinion is a very light word now god doesn't have opinions hmm? proverbs 13 13 Oh I didn't give you oh, I didn't give you the reference okay go to proverbs 16:5 uh, we'll leave the whole of 16:5 everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the lord though they join forces none of them will go unpunished the kings of this world come together against god god sits at the throne and laughs saying you don't know your end whenever god uses words like abomination God hates six things he lies not seven the first thing is a proud look when god says it's an abomination or he hates take not mark it if you have a red marker mark it is red god hates let me hate it lord teach me to hate what you hate help me lord help me from this thing god says what everyone proud in the heart is what an abomination to the lord Psalm 10 verses 3 to 4 For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire he blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord the wicked in his proud countenance does not see God God is in none of his thoughts That's why we we honestly we tell you make this your discipline first thing in the morning to see God learn the discipline of praying reading your word because if you don't do it and you go through the day without the thought of god you know what you are you are an abomination in the sight of god and you're wicked because he has no place for god in his mind in his life no place and the only time you will try to seek god is when he's in trouble and god says i'm not going to answer you while when it comes to david the bible says the poor man cried and the lord answered him and delivered him of all his troubles Saul can cry he can weep god refuses to answer him because god was never in his thoughts so get these pictures clearly psalm 138 and verse 
Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. But the proud he knows from far. From far. Okay? Be careful. Be careful. Careful about these things. Because why it's so important? Because it's only one way I can please God. It is by faith. And faith will happen only in an environment of humility. Only the humble. God will speak only to the humble. He speaks to the lowly. He regards the lowly. He regards. If you're proud, you won't hear a word God says. You may hear me, but you will not hear a word God has to say. He will not speak to the proud. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. God will not speak to the proud. He hates the proud. Proud are an abomination to him. He will not fellowship with them. He will not speak to them. So how does the devil destroy us? Quietly injects pride in. Quietly injects pride in. And without realizing, we are on the road to destruction. Okay? In Second Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 5, there is, this is a, this is a usual pattern of people within the kingdom of God or within Christianity. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And then verse 16. But when he was strong in his strong, his heart was lifted up to his. That's what happens to most people. Most people. They are good when they have nothing. And they will seek God and they will work and they will get marks and they will get jobs once they are established. That's one of the reasons why I told my wife, release the boys, release them. Because I want to see them come on their own. That is true coming. As long as you force children in your homes when they are, but when they are older, release them. Because let's see if they will come or not. Otherwise, they are on the road to their own destruction. Because people have to come to the house of God on their own volition. How long can you drag a child to church? They're just waiting for the day they are free. And the day they are free, they don't come back at all. So it means they were never there in the church. Never there in the church. So people have to be released. Release them. Live on your own. Make your life. But if you love God, you will be found in the house of God. That's what the Bible says. As soon as you are strong... What happened? His heart was lifted up for what? His own destruction. That's what happens to his own destruction. This is Uzziah. And you know what happened to him? He lived as a leper for the rest of his life. Sad story of a good man. And there are many, many, like I was telling the pastor yesterday. You look at every king of Judah or Israel. There was only one king who ran his race and finished it. It is David. Not a single king. Not even the good ones could finish well. Not even Josiah. His end was sad. The Pharaoh told him, don't come after me. Your God has anointed me to fight somebody else. Please go away. I am not, have, don't have any fight with you. Pharaohs don't say that, that to kings of Israel. He was humble and he told. Josiah didn't listen and he died. He was only 39 years old. He died before he reached 40. Imagine if he had lived for another 30 years. The history of Judah would have been different. Hezekiah, the Bible says, when the Lord left him for a season to test him, immediately opened up the treasuries of the temple and showed it all to the Babylonians. Gone. He wanted to show off all the stuff. Is that yours? Is that yours to show off? 
Did you make any of these things? Did you acquire any of these things? Did you get the plans? Did you have the provision? To somebody's work. What are you showing up for? You say yes, God. Every one of them, you look, they couldn't finish with, except David. You know why? The simple reason. He was a poor man. And the Bible says, this poor man cried. And the Lord delivered him. That's why it is written in the new covenant, I found a man after my own heart who will do all my will. What did God mean by a man after my own heart? He will be a lowly man like my son. That's why the throne of Israel is called, the throne of Jesus is called the throne of David. Get these pictures. Because this entire world system is made by Lucifer. It is made of corrupted wisdom, false outward beauty, and false riches which moths and thieves will take away. And you will not take one coin from here into eternity. It's absolutely false. This world is absolutely false. And the test for a believer is how to live in this world. And overcome. Overcome. So the root cause, the root is pride. If we can handle pride, we can probably handle everything else. But if we don't handle pride, it will still come in uncontaminated. But first let us look at, there is something called true humility and false humility. We'll come to it, okay? We don't want to be, to have false humility. False humility. Okay, false humility. It's false humility. It looks like an appearance of humility, like the Pharisees and all. They, they closed their eyes. They prayed long prayers in public. They grew their beards and they walked in their white cloth. All was false. But they were the most stiff-necked and most disobedient people on planet earth who crucified the Son of God. It's false humility. And that is true humility. Okay. But you cannot be truly humble until you understand certain facts. Go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, 26-27. God said, let us make man in our image. And in our likeness. And 27 will say that God made man in his image. So man, unlike everybody else, unlike every other creation, man was made in God's image. So though man has fallen, he still is made in God's image. That's why there is redemption for man and there's no redemption for animals because it's one of the questions we get always for Q&A. Will animals be there? Well, if your pet who died 10 years ago is going to be there in resurrection, no. To be resurrected, Christ had to die for you. He didn't die for your dog, he died for you. You may get a similar dog if it's still available. <laughs> but you're not going to get your old dog back. Okay. And there's something about dogs. It doesn't matter which way a dog looks like. Every dog is characterized the same. It is loving. It is kind. It is patient. It is loyal. So it looks don't matter to dogs. It matters to you. That's how God made them. The dog cannot change. You and I can. So man was made in God's image. And do you know what sin means? It means to fall from that image. That's why God hates sin. God hates sin because it marks his image. Mars' image. God hates pride because it mars his image. He is not proud and we were created to reflect his image. 
That's why we need to look at the things which God hates. Why does he hate sin so bad, so much? Why is he hates pride so much? Why does he hate so many things so much? Why? Because it marks his image. Why does he, after Noah comes out of the ark, why does he tell Noah, if an animal, let's say a lion kills a man, the lion should be killed. If a man kills a man, the man should be killed. But if a lion kills a lion or a deer, the lion doesn't have to be killed. Why? Because when a lion kills a man or a man kills a man, it's the image of God that's being destroyed. And God says the answer is capital punishment. That's why God says you are the temple of God. Anyone who messes up with the temple, he will be destroyed. The image of God. That's why abortion is murder. Because the purpose behind, the agenda behind abortion Young ones do it because of tension. And what I'm talking the the worldwide agenda behind abortion is to mar the image of God. Because we were made in the image of God. So understand these fundamentals, otherwise we will not realize. Why does God have to react so strongly with certain things? He says, because that's part of my image. That's part of my image. Get these pictures very, very clearly. Pictures. Okay. So, When we are born again, this is what God is doing in Romans 8 and verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image. The image of his son. What is salvation? What is the salvation of our soul? Where we are conformed finally back to the original image. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And that's what salvation is. We are being made again. So the beginning is a rebirth. We have to be born again. So the pressure is constantly on the believer, not on the unbeliever. Because the believer belongs to the kingdom of God. And he confesses the image of God. And he has to go into a world which reflects the image of the devil. The creation reflects the image of God. The world in it reflects the image of the devil because it's made from corrupted wisdom and everything is focused on outward things, outward beauty and outward riches. Riches is all outward. All outward. Let me tell you this thing. All the young ones sitting over here. When you got your mark sheet, you were very happy because you got very good grade. How many of you were unhappy when your grades were very good? Anybody here? No. But were you really content? Did you ever think, I got a really, I got an A, but really do I know my subject? No. You were not bothered because it is just outward. You're satisfied with the outward. You were not contending whether I know my subject or not. So you see, we got so quickly into the false mode of this world. We are con- Look at my... And if somebody were to call you, you're so happy with me. Shall I ask you a few questions? Shall I ask you to do a demonstration of what you learned? Do a practical on... Oh, no, I can't. So you just had an outward mode of a certificate. You did not have content. So everything in this world is based on outward. And if there is somebody with content that comes into that college or school or establishment, they don't like him. They say, you are overreacting. You are showing off. But while they are the ones, he's not showing off. He's just being real. 
So when Jesus came onto the earth and at 30 he started preaching, everyone stopped and they said, this is real. And the fake ones were, people were not upset, the fake ones were upset. And all they wanted to is, who sent you? Who sent you? Who sent you? What is your authority? And God is trying to make us authentic. He's, he doesn't want any fakes in heaven. He wants authentic people. He doesn't want to give you just a degree and your social certificate. He says, no, when you come up there, if you're authentic, you will hear from my own lips the certification. Well done. My good and faithful servant. And as proof that you're authentic, take charge. Because only the authentic will take charge there. But the world is absolutely false. Absolutely false. There's nothing about this world system which is true. It is false. It is made that way. And God says, do not be content. So our basic struggle is if you are confessing the image of a true God, you will have struggle in the world. You will have struggle in the world. These are the struggles of Joseph. These are the struggles of Daniel. These are the struggles of Daniel's friends. These are the struggles David faces. You know what? Even though he's in Israel, it's a fake nation. Because the nation has lived under a fake man called Saul for 40 years. And his duplicity has got into the system. Therefore, they are not willing to accept the original as their king. And even when he's king for quite a long time, they are such a fake People that when they see Absalom, they will go over to that side. Because everybody is looking for the fake because they are fake. And Absalom is absolutely fake. All outward, nothing inside. Nothing inside. And God is not looking for that kind of a people. He's looking for those who are real. Who when they encounter this truth will go to God, cry out to God and say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I want to be really true. I really want to be like you. So he's confirming us little by little by little by little into the image. Nothing about in this world is true. Our words are not true. Our feelings are not true. Our love is not true. Our works are not true. Everything is false. Everything is false. Your employer is not true. Your employee is not true. The salary he pays is not true. The salary you take is not true. His recommendation is not true. Your your resume is not true. Everything is fake. There's nothing that is true over there. Otherwise, he wouldn't be firing you and you wouldn't be looking for another job because it is not true. Nothing is true. Ask these questions. These are serious questions we have to deal with because the devil is just interested in appearances and his people are also interested in appearances. So there is true humility and there is so. That's why in James 4, 4, God says, you know, he, he hates, he says, adulterers and adulteresses. Don't you know friendship with the world is enmity with God? You need to understand, why does God, when he says the world, he's not talking about the people, he's talking about the system. About the system. So there is a true humility. And there is a false humility. False humility is actually despising yourself. Self-loathing. That's false humility. That's not God's humility. God's humility is different. Christ's humility, which he wants to give it to us, is different. You know how it begins? It begins in John 1.12. 
As many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. He says, you know what, who you are? You are my child. You are my child. Romans 8, 16 and 17. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Not we will be. We are the children of God. If children, then heirs. Then heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified with him. I'll explain to you. Get this concept very clearly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being, who being, what is that? Who being, in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. Now, keep that, I just want to keep that, okay? Here, God put Christ. Here, who put your name? Once I was born again, I'm a child of God. Who being, in the form of Christ, did not consider it robbery to be equal with Christ because I'm a joint heir with Christ. Funds, I need to know who I am. Then only I can humble. Otherwise, it's not humility. To humble, you need to be somewhere. If a beggar says, I'm humbling, you're anyway a beggar. You cannot humble yourself. You're a beggar. You live like a beggar. You act like a beggar. You die like a beggar. You cannot humble yourself. Only a prince can humble himself. That is true humility. You know who you are. And once you know who you are, you have no issues in humbling in any situation because it does not touch who you are or change who you are. And you don't need all these outward things to make who you are because you who you are who because of whose you are. That's true humility. Christ was God and he humbled himself. Therefore, you could do anything to him. It never changed who he was. You could strip him, you could beat him, you could spit on him, you could insult him, you could hang him on the cross. He's still God. This cannot change that. Yet it is a humbling. That is true humility. The other is all false humility. There's no humility in that. You're actually who you are. Get this picture. Because only a child of God can have true humility. Because if I am a beggar, actual beggar on the streets, I don't have to humble myself to be a beggar. No, I'm a beggar anyway. But imagine Caesar or Tsar or Prince of England goes incognito as a beggar. Oh, he has to humble himself. He pretends to be a beggar, but deep inside he knows, I am not a beggar. I'm not a beggar. I may be begging, but I'm not a beggar. I know who I am. I'm co-heir with Christ Jesus. Because the Spirit himself bears witness who I am. So it should, that is the only way we can naturally be humble. And we don't feel bad about humbling ourselves. Because by humbling, we lose nothing. I still remember when I was teaching in that country. He's the king now. He's got two kids now. When he came to my classroom door and knocked. I looked at him and there stands the king. 
And he just bent down and says, Sir, can I have 15 minutes of your class? I need to talk to the students. And I turned around and looked at the students. They were all standing like this before their king. You know, he had no issues humbling himself to an Indian teacher because he knew who he was. No issues. He knew who he was. But all of them, they're humbling themselves because they know who he is. He had no issues. You see, if you really know who you are, out of confidence you will humble yourself because you know nobody can take advantage of me because my sonship is sealed forever. Cannot be taken away. It cannot be taken away. Because people are scared to humble and obey because they are always looking in the ways of the world. Because I told you the devil is a trader and traders always will look at loss and gain. If I humble myself, I will lose. But when God humbles himself, he loses nothing. When Jesus humbles himself, he doesn't become less of God. God is always God. You cannot add or subtract from him. Get these pictures. That's the true humility. Unless you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you will struggle with this because you know what? Humility is something God looks for. And it is godly to be humble. And it devilish or demonic to be proud. And everything Lucifer wanted was to become like God. Out of that came all these pretensions. He created a parallel kingdom, his kingdom. Then he created this parallel world through sinful men and women. And he's infiltrated into everything. And above all, into the religious system. He has infiltrated the religious system. That is why they had issues with John the Baptist and with Jesus. You see, why, did, why was John the Baptist sent like that? He's coming, he's got this leather belt and a cam skin coat. He's not dressed like the religious system. That was always trying to tell the pastors yesterday. Among them also there was one. The problem is the minute they are a little and they have ministry, immediately they need to have a collar and a tie and a shirt. They have to have that uniform. Why do you need that? Does that make you a pastor? No. Clothes don't make a pastor. Either you, are a, you have a shepherd's heart or you don't have it. Coat doesn't give you a heart. The heart does not need a coat. Does not need a coat. In some places, because that is what is required, we may wear one, but it does not require. So that's why they ask you, who sent you? Why? Because you're not looking like one of us. But the people are all going to him, to him, to hear, and to get baptized. People are all going to Jesus Christ. And they say, he speaks with authority. Where, where is your pedigree? You're not dressed like one of us. Appearances. And that's why I tell you young people, why I talk to you young people about your clothing is because you dress like somebody you are not. Because behind every dressing there is an ideology. There is a music. There is a literature. There is a philosophy. And if I were, I were to tell you, you are dressed like this. Can you tell me what it means behind you? You do not know. You do not know. So you are not authentic. You are just imitating the devil's world. You are not authentic. You are a pretension. And especially talking to you, those who, those who wear western clothes. Western clothes are not like eastern clothes. 
Western clothes, behind it is rebellion. That's why the clothes get lesser and lesser and lesser because behind it is the spirit of rebellion. We will not listen to anybody. We will dress revealing and show what all we can show and we will not listen to anybody who tells us how to dress because behind it is the spirit of rebellion. So be careful about these things because you know what? You are not true. You are wearing something without even understanding the ideology. And everybody is saying how great you look and God is shutting his eyes and the devil is standing and laughing at you. Because you are not real there. If you are real there, it doesn't matter what you are here. But if you are not real there, it doesn't matter what you are here. Behind everything, everything, the music you listen to, the books you read, you are not real. You're not real. And God wants us to be real. God wants us to be real. So we have to deal with pride. And you have to deal with pride by knowing its symptoms. We looked at many symptoms like offense and anger and unforgiveness. So many. No, you insulted me. You shamed me. All this, like I said, no, you can never shame a king. The king is a king. You can never shame a king. Especially if your kingdom is eternal. <laughs> it cannot be taken away from you. So, first thing we will look today. First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. And return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. This is a preoccupation, like I said, with outward appearance. You are so, for you what is most important is what others think about you. Kingdom has been taken away from you. You say, please, 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 don't tell it to anybody. Please don't tell it to anybody. Would you please come with me? If you come with me, everybody will think God is with me. Everybody will think God is with me. King Saul is more concerned about looking right than being right. That's our problem. We want to look right. We don't want to be right. The difference between him and David is every time David is in his closet when he goofs up because he wants to be right before God and not just look right before the people. Psalm 51 is written when he's looking right before the eyes of the people, but he's not right before God alone. Therefore, he cries out and says, I know they all have accepted. Nobody seems to be bothered, but against you. And you alone. She too has accepted. She has no palms, but you. Not looking right, but being right. Being right. This is because of pride. Preoccupation with the outside. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but who trusts in the Lord shall be saved. You see, this is how the devil puts you. You look at people, the preoccupation. How do you look at me? How do I look? The preoccupation. Wanting a piece of paper called a certificate rather than having knowledge. A skill by which you can actually live and do well. All preoccupied with outer things. Looking good rather than being good. That's all. And you know where it comes from? It comes from pride. It comes from pride. 
That fear is rooted in pride. It's connected with self. Me, 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 me. You cannot be a people pleaser and God pleaser at the same time. You can please God all the time by faith. And you may sometimes please people, may not be pleased. But it's one person you can please all the time. It is God alone. And you can please him by faith. By faith. If you live honorably, others will honor you. And you can receive it. But you will always know it was the grace of God that made it possible. John 5 and verse 44. This is what Jesus said. How can you believe when you receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from only God? Yes, how can you believe? Why do you struggle to believe? Because you're looking for honor from man. You're looking for honor from man. Honor from man. How can you believe? He said you cannot believe. It's not possible. You are a pretender. You are a pretender. You are not real. Because you are not looking for honor from God. You are looking for honor from man. And why is it? It's rooted in pride. Rooted in pride. And he says, you will always struggle to believe what God is saying. Second Samuel chapter 6. 14 to 16. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen effort. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpets. And now as the ark of the Lord came in the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. You know what is the difference between Michal and David? David is authentic. David is authentic. You see, he is a man in privacy also who will worship God. Now, when he is public, he doesn't want to act, pretend, I am a king, I need to have decorum. He says, no, not before God. <laughs> not before God. Before Pan, I will act like a king. Before God, I will always act like a crazy man because I am crazy about him. The problem was, Michal was a pretender. David was not. God loved David. Because he was not a pretender. In his prayer, he was not a pretender. He acknowledged everything. In his worship, he was not a pretender. In the work he did, he was not a pretender. That's what God is looking for. Don't pretend. You don't have to pretend before God. You don't realize how liberating it is. Psalm 27, verse 2. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. But even when they praise you, take it with a pinch of salt. Maybe two pinches, it's better. Because you never know what their motive is. Because you never know whose child he or she is. Because the devil is a flatterer. Ramba, the poor pastor's wife who had to buy that dress and his salary was very low. She went ahead and bought the dress. 
And when she came home, the husband looked at her and said, Honey, why, how could you do this? You know the money we make. She said, No. When I put it on and looked in the mirror, I looked, I looked so good in it. He said, it was the devil speaking to you, telling you, looking so good in. You should have told him, I rebuke you, get behind me, Satan. She said, honey, I said, and he stood from behind and said, you look good from behind too. (laughs) He will flatter you. Yes, somebody praises, let it be somebody else. That's what happened to Saul. One year, two year, third year, he blew his own trumpet. Hear, O Israel. Israel didn't hear. Philistines heard. Before you knew, all the enemies came. Proverbs 25 and verse 27. It is not good to eat much honey. So to seek one's glory is not glory. Not glory. Jesus did not seek his own glory. Good master. Wait a minute. Before we get further into the question. Who told you I am good? Who told you I am good? One thing I know. I am still on my race. And I know he is good. Only he is good. If I am good, let him say that day. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Who told you I am good? That's what we hang, no? Around our houses, all the commendations, certificates. I am good. I am good. I was good in year 88, 1985. I was good in 1994. I was very good in 1996. I was excellent in 2001. There is silence in the house of God. (laughs) I think the whole congregation has become humble. (laughs) Matthew 23, 5 to 7. Obsession with seeking attention. All their works, they do to be seen by men. They make their, whatever that is, phylacteries broad, that is the strings attached in their garment, broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best. This part, when I see it, I find it very funny, okay? This Pharisees probably had this such long borders because you are supposed to have a border of blue. That's where the alcohol blue riband comes from, which God told Israel, put a hedge of blue, small edge of blue, so that when you look up, you see the sky. When you look down, you see blue, and you know you belong to the God of heaven. That was the principle behind it. So they made this blue so broad that nobody could miss how blue they were. But when the woman with the issue of blood, she went to a man who had only one small strip of blue and touched there and got healed. Their broad healed nobody. They made it very broad. They love the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi, Reverend, Most Reverend, Holy One. (laughs) Now let us put it into your world. Oh, brother, I saw your picture on the board. Aren't you the employee of this week? 
Yes, I am the holy one. <laughs> the excellent one. The noble one. Isn't it true? Education has changed completely from where we were to what is today. Honestly, 40 years, 50 years. We went to school, college to hear from people who were better, learned and informed than us. But now because culture has changed. People go to school to hear themselves say what they think they know. It is called peer review. The result is uninformed people tell other uninformed people what they think and nobody learns anything. Honest. Think about it. In our days, students kept quiet, the teacher taught. Now it is, let us have a discussion. The uninformed informing the uninformed and finally they come out in huge crowds, a whole set of uninformed people with certificates. Why? This is the generation. Think about it. How do I react when I am not greeted? When I am overlooked? Do I get upset? It's a personal question. Esther 3. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamedatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him, but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily, he would not listen to them. And they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's word would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow nor pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. Now both are wrong. Mordecai is wrong. Haman is wrong. Okay? Both are wrong. I do believe Mordecai is also wrong. When the king him, I mean, you are not worshipping. You are just showing to somebody who has been elevated by the king. Okay, like let us be very careful. Whether you agree with policy or not, if KCR or Modi were to come in, I would ask you all to get up. Is the Prime Minister of the country, get up. Politics don't matter. He's our PM. President comes, get up. Does not matter. Why? Because he has an office. The king has given him an office. And Mordecai refuses to bow. And because he does not bow, that is where the trouble all begins. That Haman is now plotting to kill all the Jews because one guy refuses to bow. And the fellow looks at that man and he's also mad. So both sides it is pride. Pride meeting pride. But because God had a plan for Israel, he has to work through a humble girl called Esther. She was a humble girl. She listened to everything her uncle told and that's how she reached that place. She was a humble girl and God brings salvation through a humble girl. Not Mordecai. Mordecai's counsel was good like Naomi's counsel was good. But the humble one is Ruth and the humble one is Esther. Trouble people make for others. This man almost brought a whole nation down because he refused to bow. If he had just bent down and bowed, that would have been over. A 
Are we getting the picture? This is how parents mess up children. We are all guilty at some point, but now today parents are even more guilty. Little Johnny is brought up to think he is the cat's whiskers. These days children don't honor parents. Parents honor children. Every whim and fancy of the child is met. If the child throws a tantrum, the father and the mother go on their knees and say, please, please don't embarrass us. Oh boy, <laughs> all my father had to look like this. That was enough. Second stage was <coughs> food vended. The different generation. Different generation. Churches were long. You had to be three hours. They were not carpets like this. They were carpets like choir. You knelt down, you got up. You knelt down, you got up. Nobody complained. Because you were told one thing, go. You understood nothing. You didn't want to understand anything. You didn't know the songs. You didn't know the language. It didn't matter because somebody that was above you whom you honored said, go. But today that's not the way. Now, the little one is the prince. That's why the Bible talks about when children rule. They rule the homes now. They rule the homes. Everything is around. And they grow up, grow up, grow up. And we have a world of attention seekers. How do they live? Selfie, 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 selfie. If you look at the selfie post, you look at what they are doing. It is so ridiculous. But it is true. It is their self. Be very careful. Be very careful. When you compliment a child, let it be true. Let it be true. Appropriate to that age. When a tiny little toddler, who is maybe one and a half years old, learning to walk, brings his plate and see, I finished. He said, good, that is for his age. When he's seven years old, he brings his plate. Oh, my baby finished. No. You were late today. I told you to finish in 10 minutes. The bus is coming. You are late. You doesn't need a compliment for that at the age of six. According and appropriate. Otherwise, you will think, he will think the world revolves around him. Then he, when he gets into the world or she gets in the world, he, she will meet 10 others, all think the world revolves. Now they are a solar system. Everybody is revolving like this. That's why you feel dizzy sometimes. Well, if you feel dizzy, meet Jyoti. She'll help you. <laughs> Are you getting this picture? I still remember when David was here and Anila was working at HSBC. See, I don't know IT sector at all. I don't know what you do. I don't know what happens in that world. But that day he said, David, David said, Vijay, let's go pick Anila. And the shift was changing. And I looked at the Indian girls, the way they were dressed and the men they were dressed. I said, David, is this, is this real? I said, David, is this real? Is this the way they dress? He said, it's a different world. Now, I do believe many, many were from churches. 
attention seekers are you going to work somebody wonder are you going to work there he corrupted his beauty he corrupted his wisdom and he traded with his beauty you trade with your wisdom Romans 13:7 Render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due customs to whom custom fear to whom fear honor to whom honor What does pride do It shows disrespect to those honor is due Shows disrespect Jesus respected though he didn't have to respect anybody he respected before god can ever trust a person to be in authority that person must first learn how to be under authority it's very easy when the authority above you loves you and respects you and is caring the real test comes when the authority over you is hostile the pride will tell this is the time to rebel be careful first peter chapter 2 servants be submissive to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the harsh for this is commendable if because of conscience towards god one endures grief and suffering wrongfully It's a test. Your master is hostile. Your boss is hostile. It's hostile. That's what David had. He got a very hostile master. Very, very hostile master. But the Bible says, everything Saul sent him to do, he did it. When did he run? Only when he was trying to kill him. If your master is trying to kill you, run. don't stay there and be killed that is not submission that is not honor that is stupidity 31 he takes the same principle over into marriage wives likewise be submissive to your own husband that even if some does not obey the word they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives so he brings us over there he says you know why and my husband is his name should be named as nabal maybe but he still has an office he says honor he said Saul was violent it never never ever dishonored Saul he disobeyed him but he didn't honor him honor and disobedience are not the same so you will say what if there is violence in the marriage and malachi 2:14 talks about it it talks about that yet you say for what reason who is he talking to the man because the lord has been witness between you and the wife of a youth you with whom you have dealt treacherously yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant and in 16 he will talk about how divorce will happen and it is violence what as i am i will never ever counsel a woman a married woman who's getting beaten up 
or abused, going through violence, oh, sit there and obey. No, the Bible itself does not recommend it. You know that? Doesn't say that. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 10 and 11. Now to the married I command, I not, yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from a husband, but even if she does depart. Why should she depart? He says, she can depart. If she does depart, let us stay single and see if reconciliation is possible. You know what? When your life is in danger, when you're being abused, you should leave. Should find help. Should leave. The same case now in India, it's the other side also. Because now the laws have been changed and the laws are more favorable to the woman. There is much violence men face from women. And if you can't handle it, you're living in that kind of situation. That is not honoring. That is not obedience. I would say, if you can, leave. And try for reconciliation until things become normal. Don't twist God's word. God is not a God of violence. God is a God who honors. He's a man who will honor his wife and he expects his wife to honor his woman. If God were to tell through Peter, men live with understanding with your wives as weaker vessels, then that's how God honors us. He honors us as Weak vessels. A weak vessel is honored, meaning you wouldn't throw this. A steel glass I will throw, but this I will not throw, knowing that it is, it can break. So God handles his people with honor, a different kind of honor. And if that is not there, it's because of pride. It's your pride. A lot of men who are violent are proud. My way or the highway. I don't care. No, you should care. That's one thing you should never say. I don't care. That's something God never says. He says he cares. He says even he does not even take joy in the death of the wicked. It is his desire that no one should perish. But people who say, I don't care. No, you should care. You should care. Get these pictures because you know these things are not going to stop until you deal with the root issue. The root issue is behind violence is pride. Violence is not going to stop because you put a restraining order. The person is still violent. Okay, that's what happens in the West. If a man is beating up his wife or something, she goes to court and gets a restraining order so that he cannot come anywhere near. That does The restraining order of the court has made him a humble man. No, he's still violent. And some of them get a gun and go shoot their wives and they die, kill themselves. The restraining order didn't work at all. Because why? The root cause is not addressed. The root cause is pride. And how did it originate? It originated in the home in which he grew, where he was told he was cat's whiskers. He was brought up in a way that everyone serves you, you are prince, and you are not to live serving others. That is how it happens. And Indian mothers have a way of destroying Indian boys. God doesn't spoil his children. That's why the Bible says whom he loves, he disciplines. I will not have wayward children in the kingdom. He will discipline. I'm telling you, by the time you reach heaven, every vestige of pride will be taken out. Pride will be taken. Whether you are a man or a woman, it will be taken out. If you are an authentic child of God, wait for the famine and wait for the pig pen. It will come. Colossians 4.1 
On the other hand, masters give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, if you're on the other side, who is wielding the authority? Not the one who is subject to authority. God says, be just. Be fair. Is it just? Is it just? Is it? You may think it is just. But ask, is it just? Is it fair? Okay. Because this is how the kingdom works. And when something is unjust and unfair, you need to realize behind it, there is pride. There is pride. There is pride. You're not going to get a promotion. He won't say it loudly. You're not getting a promotion. I know you are the best worker in the company, but you don't give me the bow the others give, so I shall teach you a lesson. You will have to come on all fours before me before I will promote you. You're not just. It's your pride. It's your pride. It's your pride. Is he doing his work? Yes. Is he uh, respectful? Yes. Then what's your problem? He didn't give me the kind of respect the others. But that was not respect. That was flattery. They were just licking your boots. That was not true humility. That was servility. Get pictures. Get pictures. Correct. Our homes are right. Our streets will be right. Our offices will be right. The seed of rebellion is planted in the hearts of our children by encouraging their pride. Everything is about, about them. No. It never was about them. It's never about them. When I was uh, some years back, uh, when I used to minister in the army, there was this very senior officer. He, he, he was a major general, a very senior officer, believer, very nice believer. So he was in Bangalore. So he told me, James, can you come over? So I went, I stayed in the army guest house. Then his parents were there a little further off. So it was so interesting. It was so interesting. I went with him to his, uh, house. His old father was there. They all passed away. The father passed away. The mother passed away. I went him to his house, uh, and we sat down and he, we were talking. And then his father came in. As soon as his father came in, he stood up. And he wouldn't sit. I was looking at this man. This man is 60 years old. He's a major general in the army. Hundreds and thousands of troops stand before him like him. And he's standing before his father like this. Honor. 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 That's why wives have to be very careful. Submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. You have to obey your husband in the Lord. Honor, yes, always. Will never, ever dishonor your husband. You can disobey him if he tells you to do something that is about. And if he abuses you, run. Don't dishonor. Because you dishonor your husband, you have sown the seed in the children to rebel in the streets. Because the head of the house is man. It's man. The children will be rebels. You can automatically be very sure. The children will be rebels. Why? They have seen that already. 
It's a fundamental principle. I'm not talking about submission and obedience is not the same. It's not the same. Obedience is always to the truth. Submission is to authority. And you recognize authority. Recognize authority. And authority is authority that is designated by God, not by man. You can have gender confusion. You can have all these changes around the world. God never changes. His word never changes. Never changes. Get these pictures because this is how pride manifests. Pride manifests. And that is how Abigail is a wise woman. Nabal is a fool. But you know what? When he does his stupid stuff, she doesn't say anything. Because he's drunk. He's drunk. She gets on a donkey. She rushes to David and she tells him, please save my husband's life. Don't do. And then when she comes back, the next day morning, when he's sober, when he's sober, that's when she speaks to him. Not when he's drunk. When he's sober, she speaks to him and God intervenes. We learn these lessons. Learn these lessons. There is an honor we give to authority. There is an honor we give to those who are weaker. We honor our children differently. How? They are weak. Therefore, we are patient with them. We carry them. We That's a different kind of honor. It's not the honor that you give authority. No, when you're giving into a child's tantrums and this thing, they will do, they will do it at home. They will do it in the supermarket. They will understand the minute because they are born with pride and self-will. They will know if I throw a tantrum, I can have my way that has become the weapon in their hand. After that, you will see, they will keep on throwing tantrums and they will keep on getting, because you are embarrassed. You're embarrassed now. And he knows. Because why? (laughs) You want to pretend. I know. So, I will embarrass you and I'll get you my way. You know what you need to do? Hold him by the scruff of his neck, take him out to the supermarket and give him two spanks and say, next time you do it, you will have an experience of your life. Tommy will be good from next day. An experience to remember. You won't sit for a few days. It will hurt you if you sit. Because I'll take your diaper off and I'll spank you. Get these pictures. Because sometimes we are responsible for our children failing with God. Not in the world. Because they will be rebels, but they have a crooked brain. They may be excellent in what they do. Because it's a corrupted wisdom. Rebels have corrupted wisdom. They are street smart. They don't have the wisdom of God, which is meekness and peaceable. They have the wisdom of the devil, which is demonic. They can sit for 24 hours, 48 hours to do what they want to do. They have almost this kind of demonic strength and concentration. They can do stuff which they want. And look at say, wow, my son is a genius. No, he's demonic. He's not a genius. He needs deliverance. Don't confuse one with the other. You want a son who is a genius? Look unto Jesus. Early in the morning he rose and he went to a secluded place and he was on his face before God and asking for mercy and asking for strength. That is a genius. That is a genius. Or you are like little Samuel sleeping before the ark. And when he hears, it doesn't matter how many times it called. My sleep does not matter. My mother has taught me will, not to live for my will, but to live for the will of the one that is above me. Did you call me? No. Go sleep. Did you call me? Did you? Third time God says, it's me. 
He was brought up well. You don't live for yourself. You don't live for yourself. You live for the one who has been placed above you. Then one day God can speak to you because he knows a lot of people God cannot speak at all. They are dependent upon second-hand sources, third-hand sources and end up in demonic sources. Why? Because you are not obedient. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered. Submission is not an easy thing. To be subject to a father and a mother who doesn't know head from tail what he's here for, what is he going to do, they have no clue at all. It's not easy. But he was. Second Kings chapter 12, verses 4 to 10. <coughs> oh, for, uh, not Second Kings. This is Jeroboam. First Kings. First Kings. No, no. This is Solomon. Is it 12? Yes. First Kings chapter 12. Not second. Okay. This is. Solomon is gone. His son. Okay. His son. Rehoboam. Right. Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which you put on us and we will serve you. So he said to them, depart for three days then come back to me and the people departed. The king Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived and he said, how do you advise me to answer these people? They spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. Listen to the counsel. Mark that in your Bible. The elders telling a young king, you're a king. Don't forget, you're called to serve. If you will be a servant to these people today, serve them, answer them, speak good words to them, and they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer these people who have spoken to me saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, thus you should speak to these people who have spoken to you saying, your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. Look at the next verses. Then the king answered and the people roughly and rejected the advice which the elders had given them. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, I shall chastise you with scourges. Do you get the principle? Humility is always respectful and considerate about others. Pride is not. Pride does not care. He destroyed his own throne. The advice he got was fantastic. The people walked away and they said, we will not serve this guy. And Jeroboam came into the picture. In humility, there is always space for accommodation. As long as it does not compromise the truth. There is always space for accommodation. The proud will never accommodate. 
They are not considerate. They are not considerate at all. Like I said, it's my way. Or the highway. Think in your relationships, hearing here and online. When you make choices, do you always have to have your way? Let's go out for dinner. Where? If it's not that place, I am not coming. Finished. The joy of going out is already over. You can pretend you don't see movies, but let's go for a movie. You're pretending you don't go for movies. Pretend nicely. Look straight at me. And we never watch movies. We only indulge in them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go out for a movie. See, many times when the woman says, let us go out for a movie, she's not thinking about the movie. Remember that. I don't know about today's women. I'm talking generally about women. <laughs> okay. She's not talking about a bo- she's not talking about a woman. She says, honey, let's go for a movie. She basically says, can I spend some time alone with you? The man says, movie? Okay. We'll go for a movie if it is that movie. Now he's not thinking about her. He's thinking about the movie. He's picked up this movie in two hours. There are 15 murders. Six rapes. She's hoping for some company. She's holding on to his hand. He's not. He's sitting like this. All what she was expecting for, she would have got it better at home. And every time he's getting up, he's pushing her away. Don't disturb me. Honey, don't disturb me. Don't disturb me. Did you get it? I, do you accommodate? Are you considerate about somebody else's time? I've told this over and over again. The most valuable gift God has given mankind is time. Everybody gets 24 hours a day. Are you considerate? That if you are late, you delay somebody else. If you are slow in doing things which everybody requires, you are stealing everybody's time. That's one thing we have done in all the 14 years. Worship will begin at 9, whether people or not. Because we will not deprive those who came on time because others did not value time. But when you drive it down to the simple things, children learn very, very early. School is at 8 o'clock. Your dad mom says, you need to be ready and out by 7.10. You delay, you delay a whole lot of people. Delay a lot of people. The mother probably who woke up early and got everything ready. You are not ready. You wasted a time, energy and effort. The father who has to drop you and go to office, he's going to be late because you were not considerate. Learn these things, sir. Everywhere, these things matter. Are you considerate in the choices you make? Are you considerate in the way you keep time? 
Are you considerate in the way you spend money? Because a family, when you are a family, you have only so much amount of money to go around. Only so much money. Let's, let's say there are four people in a family, five people in a man, and you, you have only so much that comes in. It has to go around where first everybody's need is met. Then over and above, if you have, whose want will be met last? Whose want will be met first? Pride says mine. Humility says not mine. Get these pictures. This is what life is like. And we don't realize a generation has grown up who are extremely selfish. They don't grow. They don't care. They don't care. And if you grow like that, that's what Paul will say to Timothy. There will be perilous times in the last days. And the first thing men written is, men shall be lovers of themselves. And lovers of money. Why do they money? To indulge. To indulge. Why do you need money? Why do you need money? It's like Leo Tolstoy's famous story about this man. Covetous, greedy man. Doesn't matter how much land he had, he was never satisfied. So one day, this angel or whatever appears to him and says, tomorrow morning from sunrise to sunset, you can have all the land you can. Get on your two feet. Travels on your two feet. Early morning he rises up at the crack of dawn. He starts, starts running, 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 running. Then he's tired. He won't take a break. He won't take any break. By the time sun sets, he has traveled so far and he falls dead. Then the man buries him. At the end, you need only six feet. How much land do you need? Six feet. I don't need even six feet. Five feet, seven should be enough. For the coffin, for me, five, five is enough. How much do you need? Because the kingdom of God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why are people not able to be givers? It's not because they don't have enough. It's because they have spent much on themselves. And from inside this voice spoke to ears, I deserve it. I deserve it. Don't have. We don't realize when we stand before judgment day for our rewards, everything is going to be judged. And we would say, Lord, why did I go? He said, you didn't deal with the root issue. Your root issue was pride. If you had dealt with pride, everything else would have been fallen into place because you would have heard from me. I would have been able to guide because I told you I guide the meek. I cannot guide the proud. Can we accommodate? So many issues in life. We can accommodate. Certain issues, no. Because the kingdom of God is connected with that. We cannot. But so many day-to-day life is a life of accommodation. India's future can change in one hour. If all the opposition parties come together and says we will choose one leader and we will fight together, this government is gone. But they won't do it. Nobody will do it. You know what? Everybody wants to be PM. Even if you have only two MPs, they still want to become PM. 
everybody political party is working on pride the leader is working on pride and not what's good for the nation when you look at the national level you bring it down to the the home level it's the same thing who are you thinking about as a man if you're a man your husband who are you thinking about if i do do these things if i continue this way what is going to happen to my wife what is going to happen to my children what are you thinking about if you are a woman you have to think if i do these things if i make this decision what is going to happen to my husband what is going to happen to my children what is going to happen who are you thinking about you first or the other first what are you thinking about if i am right it's philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 Philippians 2 I did not give it Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 these are not my opinion this is God's word let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself let each of you look not out only for his own interests but also for the interests of others whose interests are you looking out for whose interests are you looking out for The prodigal son never went without a meal in his father's house, but he went out with a bag full of money. A little later, he had nothing. Why? He went out looking out for my own interest, and he ended up in the pig pen. He had to come back, and when he came back, he found the father had never changed. He was still looking after others' interests. That's why even the hired servants in my father's house eat well. My father takes care of others' interests. if you want a supply from heaven not white rising up early in the morning sitting late in the night what is not going to work if you want a supply from heaven then listen to the words elijah told the widow at zarephath yes you eat but first make it and give it to me you and your son also eat but if you do what i tell you i promise you the bin in your house will never go empty the oil in your house will never go empty do you know what it means spiritually do you know what it means do you know what it means he says if you put others before you the word of god and the spirit of god will be always fresh in your house you will have bread and you will have an anointing to continue the work because you have understood the nature of god he thinks of others first but if you put yourself first god says there will be neither revelation nor anointing in your life you will be dead when you are living that's what jesus told he said there were many widows in israel but the prophet was sent to samaria he was sent to zarephath why because it is not enough you are a widow and poor the widows of israel were widows and poor but they were proud but the widow in zarephath was poor and humble Naomi was an Israelite widow and she was proud and Ruth was a Moabite widow and was humble therefore God could only redeem the Moabite and not the Israelite. That's why I was telling them yesterday poverty is not a virtue just because you are poor does not mean God has eyes on you no if you are poor and humble if your poverty has not made you humble the purpose behind lack in our life in different area is so that we will humble ourselves. but if it hasn't made us humble the poor will still die 
God will not come to their aid. But poverty is a natural condition for humility to come. So the question God asks is, are you humble? Has it humbled you? Oh, are you still rising up in the morning? Sitting up late? I don't care. I will not listen to anybody. I will still try. God says, you will die. You will die. Uzziah died a leper. My question was, he never sought God. There was another king. I forgot his name. His legs were all swollen. And all the days he, he died, Azza. He never would go to God. He went to the physicians. He refused to seek God. And that's Elijah's first question when the king is sent. He says, is there no prophet in this land? You do not know the nature of pride. Satan will never say sorry. He will not and he cannot repent. Cannot turn. He cannot change. And Adam did not say sorry. Nor did Eve say sorry. Neither did Cain say sorry. You killed your brother. You murdered your brother. I don't know with what he murdered his brother. Probably used a stone and bashed his brother's head down because you are the first generation. You know what he said? I'm my brother's keeper. Injected into him. The pride and the rebellion and no accountability at all. You have to be accountable before God. That's why during the retreat I gave you that verse. Mark 6 and verse 30. Simple way to live without guilt. Without guilt. Simple way to live. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Keep accounts with God every day. Every day go to God and say, Lord, this is what I have done. If it is good, let him say it is good. If it is bad, you know it is bad. (laughs) He doesn't have to tell you, you know. Say, Lord, have mercy. I goofed up again. What you said. What you did. You see, you keep this daily. The day of judgment will be a breeze. You are prepared. The Bible says the day of judgment, there will be so many so happy on the day of judgment. They were rejoicing with confidence they will go. You know why? Because they did their homework. Every day they did their homework. They didn't have to prepare for the final exam because every day was they prepared for the final exam and they were ready. That's why I said none of these things will matter unless our eyes are on eternity. That's verse I keep telling you. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. 4 and verse 18. Keep that in mind. While we do not look at the things which are seen. Is that true? Let me tell you. Is that true for you personally? I'm looking at the things that I see. No. We do not look at the things that are seen. That does not mean we don't experience what we are seeing. We don't take it as reality. We don't take that as reality. Like our Indian sages used to say, this world is a maya. It's not real. But at the things which are not seen. What are the things not seen? What is written? I have gone to my father's house and I'm coming back. When I come back, the kingdoms of this world will be the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The scepter of this kingdom will be the scepter of righteousness. Every careless word you have spoken, every deed you have done, you will have to give account to the Son of Man. On that day, I will not judge you. This will judge you. Why does he say? You can judge yourself now. 
you don't have to be afraid of that day go with this go before god live by this he says you can live life without fear don't look at the things which are seen look at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary temporary things which are not seen are eternal everything that you see is temporary even what you experience is temporary nothing about that is real unless it's connected with truth it's just temporary even your marriage is temporary because there's no marriage in heaven you'll call your wife honey or sister there's no marriage in heaven there are no husbands and wives in heaven are you seeing the picture Keep these pictures very, very clear because otherwise we will not fight this battle. When Paul says, I have fought this battle, what is the battle? The battle is with this present reality and the unseen reality. He said, the present is pressing on me, but I kept my eyes on Christ Jesus and on the unseen realm. And I knew what God requires from me, what God wants from me, and I will lean on the power of the Holy Spirit and I will press on, I will press on, I will press on, I will press on. And God is able to speak to him and speak to him and speak to him and speak to him which are never written, never uttered by anybody. And then he says, because of this exceedingly great revelations, so that my heart like Lucifer's would not be lifted up, he gave me an affliction, a messenger from Satan. Three times I asked him, three times he said, no. He said, my grace is sufficient for me. He said, Paul, I love you, but I know, man, you've been given what nobody has been given. And I know you also can become proud, then I will have to judge you. So to see that you are not judged, I am going to give you an infirmity, whatever I believe in his body. And all the days of his life, he lived with this infirmity. When he looked at his infirmity, he realized, I too am just like the others, saved by grace, forgiven every day. Therefore he says, I, I glory in, do you glory in infirmities? I glory in insults. When was the last time you was so happy when somebody insulted you? You know what he means? When somebody insults you and you are upset, you realize, thank you Lord for that man. I realize I still have pride that was touched. Thank you. If he had not insulted me. You see, when you go to the doctor or go to Dr. David and he gives a radiology report, you don't get angry at him. How dare you say I am in first stage of cancer? I don't like you at all. You say, thank you, doctor, that you diagnosed it early. You'll say it's very early. You can be treated. You can get well. So when somebody insulted you, when you were offended, you are saying, thank you, Lord, for that person. I did not realize I have the very cancer that brought Lucifer down. If he had not insulted me, I would not have known. Because don't walk around only listening to people who say, nice beta, good beta. No. Listen to also to your enemies. What they say. I listen even to the altars. They also write to me. And I listen to them very carefully. And say, because sometimes the altars speak the truth. Sometimes the altars are programmed in such a way they cannot lie. I said, okay. You found something in me. Which I didn't see. I don't thank them. I say I rebuke them. Because I know whose altar it is. Be careful. Be careful. Saul, the general job, and a man called Shimai, 
You know these three people? King Saul, Joab, and Shimei. Take these three people. You don't get David. David becomes a man of heart because of his three enemies. Not because of his friends. These three enemies framed him. Made him the man after God's own heart. If Saul hadn't chased him and chased him and chased him, he would not have learned the perseverance and to keep honoring authority and yet not be disobedient. He would not have learned. God could not have made him a man after his own heart. If Shimmai hadn't insulted him and thrown stones and dust at him, he would not have known that I can handle insults. And Job, of course, was a crook. Job are the kind of people who get to know the secrets of influential people and then he will use it against them. Be careful. That's what Solomon is one. Be careful about him. He cannot be trusted. He cannot be trusted. He has inside information and he will use it for his own profit. He cannot be trusted. This Bible, you don't need to do MSc in psychology. This is human study. We are all there in this. From Cain, all of us are in this. So this morning, let us stand up. And ask God to deal with the issues that really matter to him. Because the Bible says, six things the Lord hates. The first is, proud look. Haughty eyes. Pride is an abomination. Don't think any one of us are free from it. We all have it. But we need to get rid of it. And unless we ask God, he will not reveal it to us. And every sub, see what a man's idea of life and God's idea of our life is different. Our life has been tuned to reveal the things of our heart. So listen carefully to people. When people get angry at you, don't get angry at them. Go back and think, why did they, what in me made them angry? Is it legit? How was my response? Is my humility real or is it false? Is it real or false? Because real humility comes from knowing whose you are and who you are. Therefore, you don't care about insults because that doesn't change who you are. They can do anything to you. It does not change who you are. But if that is not your real identity, then everything people say upsets you. Because you still are not living by your new identity. You are still living by your old identity. Shaped in iniquity. Brought forth in sin. What is your identity? The title of today's message, I think I gave the title. Be humble, you won't stumble. Is this true? If you don't want to go further and further, stumbling less and less and less and less and less and less. See, Jesus finally obedient to death, death on the cross. How low? You can't go lower than that. Like, I think it's Derek Prince who says, the safest place to be is flat on the ground. Face down, flat on the ground before God because from there you can only go up. So he went to the lowest possible. The father demanded after that. It's only up. Humble thyself in thee and he shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. Okay. 
Humility is not weakness. Only the strong can humble. The weak cannot humble themselves. They will bite, they will scratch, they will beat, they will scream, they will shout, they will sulk, they will walk away. All kind of reactions are there. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. You are not condemning us. You are convicting us. Because these are the issues that really matter in eternity. For there is going to be a great reversal on that day. For it is written, the meek shall inherit the earth. Right now the proud are ruling. The corrupted wise are ruling. The beautiful are ruling. All these people are ruling. They get the attention. They get the accolades. They get the honor. They get everything. The humble receive nothing. But one day, it is written, the humble will receive the kingdom. We are not looking at at the present reality. Things that are seen. We are looking at things that are unseen. And we believe what you say. Teach us each day. Show us every day opportunities where we can humble ourselves. For you said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Help us to be givers of life. You said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The advice Rehoboam got. You serve these people, King, and they will serve you forever. He didn't listen. And his kingdom was taken away. I pray we will listen to your voice today. Will be a blessing to others. We'll always look for opportunities right after the service is over. We will look for opportunities to serve somebody, something in the church. We will realize how liberating it is because there is constant flow of oil from heaven. There is fresh revelation every morning and we realize Our bread basket is full and we have oil for today. That's my prayer for all of us here, Lord. What Elijah told the woman at Sarifath will be true for each one of us. Starting today, we'll humble ourselves in thy sight. And due season, you have an appointed season for everyone standing here who is making that decision. In due season, you will lift each one up. We will wait patiently. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Bless everyone here. The hand of God rest upon everyone. Heal, strengthen, uphold us with your right hand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.